For copyright reasons, the producers of Taking You For Granted would like to state that this podcast is in no way associated with the actor Hugh John Mungo Grant, nor does it endorse his views or represent him in any way. We simply review Mr Grant's films and hope to shine light upon some of the lesser-known classics from his illustrious career. Hugh, if you're listening, we hope you approve. Listen, I did film and television studies at university for three years. I spent hours reading countless books and articles on subjects spanning from film all the way to television. Not a single one mentioned Hugh Grant once. I achieved the hardest qualification across any university or college ever, a 2-1 in history. Let me tell you, the only thing that I learned was that we, as a society, have a history of denying and neglecting Hugh Grant's artistic and cultural relevance, not just in this country, but in the entire world. I met Oscar at a Hugh Grant-themed event I put on at the Student Union. It felt as though Diggory and I were the only ones there. And we agreed that there was a Hugh Grant-shaped hole in academia. We decided to put it right ourselves. We want to show people that he's an icon in acting. We want to show people he's more than just a bumbling posh guy. I'm Diggory Waite. And I'm Oscar Beardmore Gray. And, and this, this is... Taking Hugh for Granted. Hello and welcome to Taking Hugh for Granted with your hosts Diggory Waite and Oscar Beardmore Gray. This is the show in which two friends go through every single film starring Hugh Grant and ask the simple question, is this film taking Hugh for granted? Is this film good on its own or does it rely on the bumbling Brit for its acclaim? This week it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day everyone. And we're watching Notting Hill. Oscar, how's it going? It's going very well. Uh, a, a true rom-com classic here for Valentine's Day. Um, you know, if you are feeling a, bit, a little bit alone this Valentine's Day, snuggle up with a little teddy bear, find a Hugh Grant photo online, print it out, and listen to Taking <laughs> Hugh for Granted, and you'll feel a lot you... better about yourself, I can guarantee you. What are you doing with that Hugh Grant photo? You just said print it out. What else are we doing with it? Is anything else happening there? Or are you going to put it on the teddy bear's head? No, no comment, Diggory. I'll leave it up to your imagination. <laughs> how, how very diplomatic. Maybe find a 3D did... printer. And then we could have a light yeah, oh. thing. <laughs> now we're talking. If we have any fans out there, maybe maybe some of our US fans, if we have a 3D printer, please get in touch. I would love a 3D life-size Hugh Grant to play with. Um, enough of that. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. 14th of February. What do you think Hugh's doing on Valentine's Day today? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, oh, I reckon Hugh's had some wild Valentine's Days in his past. But, oh, yeah. um I would say that maybe now he's settled down. Mm. The thing is, though, maybe he's going to the spaghetti house. I don't know, Diggs. What do you think? <laughs> You're right. I mean, he's got his five kids to think of. He's got his wife to think of. So I'm imagining spaghetti house, table for seven. <laughs> the kids all in their, in their bumper chairs or whatever. And uh, even the wife just treating them all to a, to a spag a bowl. Maybe a pret-a-manger spag bowl, if that's even a thing. Um, we know he loves a pret. Anyway, enough about Hugh. Um, today we're looking at Notting Hill. Um, should we get straight into the synopsis and then straight into some deep, hard analysis? I, I think I think so. Let's go for it. Notting Hill, directed by Roger Michel and released in 1999. William Thacker, played by Hugh Grant, is a bookseller at a shop in the Notting Hill district of West London. 
when world-famous superstar actress Anna Scott, played by Julia Roberts, walks into his shop, an unlikely relationship starts to take shape. But Anna's notoriety, fame and actor-boyfriend lead William to question, can the most famous film star in the world really fall for just an ordinary guy? Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> wonderful stuff there from Synopsis Simon. So I think we've all seen this. Well, I mean, I now have 1999 Notting Hill, another Hugh Grant classic. He's meeting up again with Richard Curtis. Um, Oscar, what are your talk to me? Thoughts? Initial uh, well, I thoughts? OK, I don't want to be the party pooper here on Valentine's Day, but I'm just going to say it. I did not like this film. No way. I didn't. Mate, no way. Okay, so we... Talk to me. Grant's most famous films with Richard Curtis. you got Four Weddings, Love mm-hmm. Actually, and Notting Hill. I would put those three together. And out of those three, I would say this one's the worst. Four Weddings and the... Oh! Th- mate, I think so. Four Weddings and a Funeral, debut, fresh-faced. I, it made me laugh a lot. Love Actually, there are problems with the film. Okay, but it's got a star cast. It is a good one for Christmas. And it does give you this weird bubbly sensation. This one, mm. I felt it was flat, slow paced. It yeah. was too similar to Four Weddings and a Funeral and worse than Four Weddings and a Funeral. And I'm going to, this is going to sound like blasphemy. I didn't really like Hugh's performance in it. Mate, this is huge. This is massive. I, 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 I... What do you think? Mate, I can't wait to... I mean, I'm just so glad that we've got right into the nitty-gritty straight away. Um, let's... I think we should discuss... Because I think we will actually... Uh, I think we will agree on a lot of points and we might disagree on a few. I think... Um, wow. I just I, I mean, I just think for us, people are going to be so... They're going to think, oh, brilliant, Notting Hill, I can't wait. They're going to talk about this. And they're going to come straight in and hear this. Blasphemy. We might get a lot of criticism I just think, here. I'm, I'm open well, to the yeah, criticism. I can't Silence wait. my well, DMs look, and criticize away. One thing away. I will say is people think that fans and top fans are always, always, you know, positive about whatever they're fans over. But that's not true. I think the best fans are the ones that are hypercritical, you know, mm. and really analyzed. We expect the best from these people. Um, and we're going to really, you know, because we love them. So we're going to overanalyze it. Anyway, Oscar, I'm, I'm waffling right now. <laughs> oh! Oh, God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Here, let me... Uh, Get your hands off! I'm really sorry. I, I live just over the street. I have um, water and soap. You can get cleaned up. Oh, thank you. I just need to get my car back. I also have a phone. I'm confident that in five minutes we can have you spick and span and back on the street again. In the non-prostitute sense, obviously. All right, well... What do you mean, just over the street? Give it to me in the yards. Uh, 18 yards. That's my house there with the blue front door. Let's talk specifically about Hugh, because you've mentioned there that you didn't like his performance. Um, we'll go over some of the superficial stuff at first. What do you think of the look? What do you think of Hugh Grant's look? Uh, I mean, the looks the looks great if you're if you're there for the classic yeah. Hugh. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. we see him out of a collared shirt. He goes blue collared shirt, <laughs> white collared shirt, pink collared shirt, and that's his outfit. Pink collared shirt is really the, good. The pink collared yeah, shirt looks it. great on him. And really, really good. And we're back to the same old curtains, which I, you know, yeah, you can't, you can't not love that. Can't beat him. Um, mm. And yeah, I mean, no complaints on the look front. Look front no. is about as good as you get. 
<clears throat> to the point where I was thinking, the, uh, my mum once again said to me, she was like, your hair's dreadful at the moment. I've gotten a terrible haircut lately. <laughs> and she was like, sorry, mum, I'm butchering your voice. But she was like, you should, you know, your hair looks best when you have a Hugh Grant haircut. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now, so I was thinking, oh, poo poo, mum. And then I was I was seeing him walk through that great shot where it changes the four, the four seasons go past mm. or, you know, whatever. And he's walking there and he's in his shirt and he's, you know, he's because he's constantly in these linen shirts. I was thinking, maybe that's what I should look like. Maybe I should wear shirts all the time and a blazer. Maybe. He look, he's always got his blazer over his shoulder and maybe that's the look that I'm missing the, out the on. The Chino, Chino Notting Hill yeah. look. <laughs> yeah, tucked in, tucked in shirt, chinos, blazer over the shoulder, floppy hair. I can't really imagine you with that, Diggs, but no. I'd be willing. I'd be willing to see it as an experiment for a bit. I just don't think in this day and age any girls are going to fancy that. No, not no. but yeah, not the, but not the girls you're hanging out with, Diggs. <laughs> Which is zero. <laughs> um, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Oh, the women in my life I say hey. I said all the women in my life I say hey. I can't hear you. I can't hear anyone. <laughs> I mean, I'm mean, alone on Valentine's Day. We've got no one. We've got no one except for Oscar. Maybe I could convince him to wear a wig. Let's talk then about his character. Um, first, let's maybe think about, um, throw out some words that describe the sort of character is. I think he's quite posh, as always. Bumbling. Um, bumbling. He, he, he actually, uh, the reason I say posh is well, he, his, his manner of speaking is actually really quite sophisticated in this. Mm. He uses some, he keeps saying like, you know, it's things like, oh, it's not, not the reality I thought and you know things like basically very, it's almost Shakespearean well, some of his th- lines this is the kind there. of thing that pissed me off and what, what a lot of yes. the reviews say in this film or criticise mm. this film is that like it's not really a realistic picture uh, of Notting Hill I mean we're in the like 1990 like I guess 1990s um, mm. but uh, one review I read said that um, the, the the film was criticised to not for not reflecting the demographic of the area and said that only Curtis could write a film about Notting Hill, London's most diverse borough, and not feature a single black face <laughs> in it, which is true. I mean, I mean like that, not every so not true. everyone, Richard Curtis went to Harrow and hung around mm. with David Cameron and George Osborne in Notting Hill wearing f- bloody chinos and shirts like Hugh Grant's wearing. That's all I'm gonna say. Like I'm all for Mate. the soppy film, but. It's mm. like, I don't know, it's a bit too much for me. It, it's a stark contrast with Paddington 2, where I think there's a there's a bit more of a diversity there, even in that London borough, that which they show whatever the hell that's... Where's that supposed to be? I mean, that's probably Kensington, Kensington, I guess. Well, maybe it's Paddington. Same, same sort of area. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that might make sense. But yeah, either way, it's that there's a lot more diversity there. But Hugh Grant's place in it, his character in it, is particularly posh in this one. I think he comes across as even posher mm. in this one than, than Four Weddings. And, def- and, and even in Love Actually, even though he's the Prime Minister, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. He comes across as way posher because of the way that he speaks and stuff. Um, I, don't, I actually don't think that Hugh is the fault here. I think it's the writing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what I really disliked about this film is that um, there was a lot of people 
if you read reviews, if you watch YouTube videos, etc., that we're co- basically calling this film Four Weddings and a Funeral, the sequel. Like two, yeah, yeah, two, and to an extent it is, and but they were all lots of mm. people, you know, the the characters um, in the film and Rich Curtis defended it and said, oh, it's not, it's different characters, etc. But mm. we have this exactly the same thing where we have this American kind of mysterious girl who comes over mm. to England, falls in love with this like ordinary English bloke. And it, what annoyed me is that Julia Roberts is really, really similar for about the, for, for the first hour of the film. And she says nothing. And she's like only spoken to, she only speaks when spoken to. And... She's flat, boring, doesn't say any set full sentences. And you're like, how is this person a real like celebrity or someone you'd fall in love with? Oscar, I can't agree more. The, the thing I've written here in my notes is exactly what you said. And what really, really takes the biscuit. She doesn't say much. She She's flat when she does say things like she, she I, I did. I don't for the first half. You're just thinking, who is this person? What is her personality? We have. Why are we falling in love with her? I was thinking it genuinely is an incel's dream. A successful, famous, beautiful woman who barely says anything rings his doorbell again and then and kisses him. She kisses a bumbling, hopeless <laughs> man. It's just, what is that? It's just, that, is a, that is an incel's wet dream. Cla- it was just classic, wasn't it? Like I, I was watching the film and that first kiss and you're like, where the hell has that come from? Hi. What? I forgot my other bag. All right. I don't know what it is. It's like Richard Curtis has got a really skewed up version of what like love and relationships are. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's like... No, I think you're absolutely right when you say that he's got a weird view of re- love and relationships because that's that's exactly what I'm saying. It's, it's almost like... I mean, that's kind of what films are, right? They're a fantasy. But it feels like his fantasy is so... It's so primitive. Mm. For the first half of the film, it is so... Like I say, and I'm going to say it again, I do apologise. A successful, famous, beautiful woman who barely speaks, barely says a word, has no personality, so you can project what you like onto her, all these things, magically falls for this guy who is just a bit of a... He's talking about... Talks about a Turkish book, a a, a book review of (laughs) Istanbul, and somehow woos her. Yeah, and talks about apricots and stuff. Look, (laughs) don't get me wrong. All bumbling, all fun, all cute, all all that sort of stuff. But if we look at it at a real... You know, if we really break it down, it's it's the beginning of a porn film where a guy barely says anything and then suddenly the girl's like, oh, wow, look at you. I'm going to give you a kiss right now. Even though it's like, what has he... What has he got? Like, he hasn't shown anything so far. I mean, he's good looking. But then then that's the problem as well. It's like, I don't believe that that Hugh Grant is this hopeless guy because even his chat is quite decent. Mm. Because even, even though it's bumbling and stuff, he's clearly way too good looking. I know it's a film and I know it's fantasy, but I just... I wouldn't mind it as much if she had something to say, if she had some personality. This is the thing for me, is that I, I imagine most celebrities to get to where they get as a film actor as a musician any of these people we hold up in society that they have like a charisma a personality that when they're okay for example a friend of mine the other day 
um, w- worked at a coffee shop, and Lana Del Rey came into the coffee shop. Oh wow! And he's a massive Lana Del Rey fan, and mm. she apparently was really nice. Like you know, he was like, "I'm your biggest fan." She was like, "Oh, let's get a photo. Um, I'll sign your, uh, I'll sign something for you," and wrote a really nice message. Sick. Like you know, that is what you imagine that hopefully would happen when a star, a star comes in. That you know, okay, they might not be really really chatty but they have a bit of personality and charisma they don't just kind of Mm. don't say anything i don't know maybe they do i think you make a good point but also even further on than that she fancies this guy so show a bit of personality if you fancy him then Mm. have a little bit of banter have a bit of chat because right now he's dying on his ass (laughs) and the only way that you show him that you like him is by giving him a little kiss which to be honest is a good way of doing it don't get me wrong but for me i'm not buying why he would love you because he's not, or or why you would love him, and I, and it just feels like again he's the one talking all, showing all the personality, and you are not saying shit because this is Richard Curtis's wet fucking dream. <laughs> are you a business owner? Are you running a political campaign? Are you a furniture outlet having yet another sale? If the answer to any of those questions isn't no, then you can have your advertisement right here. The Taking You For Granted podcast gets over a hundred listeners every single episode. For prices starting as low as six figures, you can have your advertisement right here. So what are you waiting for? <laughs> Email takingyouforgranted at gmail.com today for a full price list. And you can have your advertisement right here. About an hour into the film, we have the porn scandal where um, our leading lady, Julia Roberts' character, early in her career, she took some photos to get some money... Um, they were originally just like some modelling shots of her naked and stuff, but someone filmed the whole thing, so it makes it look like a porn film. And anyway, that leaks. And she is obviously, it goes crazy. Everyone, all the tabloids get a hold of it. And she takes, she finds solace with Hugh Grant's character. At this point, I was watching the film. We are now an hour and four minutes, five minutes in, and I start to fall in love with her, which it's taken an hour for that process to start, which in a romantic comedy for me, you need to start falling in love with both the main, you know, people. Immediately. Can I come in? Come in. I didn't know where to go. And the pictures have been sold and they're just everywhere. The hotel's surrounded. I know it's been months, but... This is the place. Thank you. It's weird, Richard, and everyone involved, that as soon as she starts actually speaking and having something to say, I start liking her. It's weird, that. Really (laughs) odd. And then I started to think, and this is why maybe I'm a bit worried, is that maybe the whole point is, is she's shy. And maybe because she's a, a famous person and because she knows that these sorts of things happen and because she knows that, you know, if she opens up too much, people can sell stories or blah, 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 all these reasons. Maybe that's why at the beginning of the film, she doesn't give too much away because she's scared. And when she when when all of it's gone to shit, that's when she starts speaking. And that's when the real process begins. That's not that's a theory. Yeah. I mean, it's a good. It's a plausible theory indeed, because. I mm. guess a lot of the themes of the film is kind of celebrity and, yeah, being famous, I guess. Um, mm, mm. So that is definitely plausible, Diggs, I would agree with you. Yeah. I think I sometimes try and search for these 
ways to view the film to help my enjoyment of it. But I don't know whether I fully believe that that was the case. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. know I fully believe it was intended. It's a really difficult one for me because this is probably Hugh Grant's film that I've watched the most. Like, I probably watched this film mm. um, 1,500 times. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a film I know well. And so maybe on the several times of watching it, I'm kind of like, well, actually, this kind of sucks. Or maybe it's because we yeah. watch so many Hugh Grant films now that I know that this expectation that I'm giving myself mm. to his acting. And I... And the film for me was a letdown until, and like you said, until mm. about an hour in. And an hour in, we see some of her character. We start, we begin to understand what posi- the position she's in, um, and and we begin to like her. And I actually, mm. I think the second half is better than the first half. A hundred and ten percent for me. The first half is yeah, is is not as good, and it's epitomized by this. The the kind of really lame music they use in it, you know, when there's the romantic scenes and then you hear this like solo acoustic guitar being like bing 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 and they're looking in each other's eyes and stuff. And I'm like, oh, don't make me sick. And what I think was perfect, right, is I was th- sat there stewing, being like, oh, this bit's really annoying. She hasn't said anything. And then the song, you know, the bit was like, you say it best when you say nothing at okay, all. Okay, yes, you're ba- you're absolutely bang on there. That's exactly what I. Felt I mean, come before. on. But I also would like to not for you not to criticise Ronan Keating and that song because it's absolutely bang. <laughs> you say it best. You say it best when you say nothing at all. The fact that she doesn't say anything, blah blah blah, and it plays the song where literally the, the main line is "You say it best when you say nothing at all." I was like, "Come on, that is that's that." It feels intentional. It feels like a slap in the face when I'm sat there going, "Say something, say something. I want to love you." And then it goes, "Nope. The best way to enjoy this woman is if she." doesn't say anything she's just there and she's beautiful she's successful she's famous and i can project all my weird incelness onto her as i say one more time and i do apologize i'm going on the record it's richard curtis's wet dream (laughs) don't forget don't forget don't forget i'm also just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her say no to your kind request leave it at that maybe we should move on to some of the things we did like and also some of the Hugh-isms that I really enjoyed in this film because there are a few a few I like it firstly we have when he says whoopsie daisies there is nothing more yes. more Hugh Grant than saying whoopsie daisies yeah. Can, can't you just imagine Hugh in real life like saying whoopsie daisies 100% yeah I mean, it's this kind of thing that your mum would say, and that means that Hugh Grant would say it, but in a posh voice. At, Perfect. I could see him saying and it. And there's also the return of our favourite um, sort of 1990s uh, posh rom- rom- rom-com word, which is bugger. Bugger. Well, I'm buggered then, aren't I? Bugger. And he also says, shittity bickety, I thought it was a good... <laughs> Shit- <laughs> that is a, that's a great one. That was a good one. Enjoyed that. <laughs> that was brilliant. And also... Oh, I love that. So, 
there's a great scene at the end at the press conference where mm. Julia Roberts um, is about to leave the UK and we um, Hugh ch- chases them, which is very much like About a Boy and Love Actually, by yes, the way. Yes. Very much like that. Yeah. They come in and Hugh sc- um, goes through the crowd and then he gets the mic and he sort of puts his hand up and he says... Um, I was just wondering if uh, it turned out that this person... Uh, Thacker. His name was Thacker. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> just wondered whether if... Mr. Thacker realized he'd been uh, a daft prick (laughs) and got down on his knees and begged you to reconsider whether you would, in fact, then reconsider. Yes, I believe I would. That's very good news. The readers of Horse and Hound will be absolutely delighted. <laughs> but it's the use of the third person again, where he sort of mm. puts himself out of the picture. It's very Hugh Grant. It's a classic Hugh Grant character trope. And I mean, it's clearly it's clearly Richard Curtis once again with his staple on it. But like, I mean, you're it, absolutely it's, br- right. it's brilliant writing. It's great writing. And it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. No, I think you're right. Yeah, exactly. No, I think you're right, Oscar. As well, one of the things that I liked about the film was the fact that it maybe had it had a bit more about itself in this second half because as soon as we have this um you know the porn thing and and the and start and with the press and and how how she has to deal with that the film actually has something to say about it whereas four weddings and a funeral is literally just about you know a fucking guy who wants to get married to someone that well you know get with someone he fancies from America who has nothing to say. This film starts to actually have a message, which is the press, you know, is, is are awful. And these are these are this is just a girl this is a girl standing in front of a boy, you know, at the end of the day, this is just a person. And the press can absolutely destroy you and rip you apart. And and it was very interesting as well. It's that Hugh Grant's in this. He got absolutely hounded by the press. His phone was hacked. His house was even broken into and, and searched through. And his relationship then with... Um, it's Hurley. Yeah, was really, really looked into. And as soon as he did Four Weddings and Funeral, his life was completely... He started getting hounded by the press all the time. So I thought it was a... That's when the film, that second half, not only do we have an actual character come out of uh, Julia Roberts, but we have... A, a more of a message from the film mm. and it's very very good that it's great that we have Hugh in that role because it means a lot more when it's coming from that mm. casting mm. and another part of the film that um, the writing is, is Richard Curtis I know we're talking about Richard Curtis way too much here but he's very mm. good at encapsulating is this kind of like core friendship and sort of pulls on your heartstring messaging about mm. how we have a person who can't have a baby and she's disabled and then we have this beautiful actress who thinks she has all these problems and Hugh's trying to say to her well surely you know these aren't that big problems um you know my my best friend can't uh, have kids and she can't walk anymore um and tried to put mm. it in pers- into perspective but i think it's it's that feeling that you can't act, you can't get perspective when you are being hounded every day by the press like mm-hmm. she says when she's like you've lived this i've lived this for 10 years and you've lived it for 10 minutes so a mm. little bit of perspective here but i i know i, I i've hounded this film a lot but mm. i would say that when i come out of the film when i finished watching mm. i was like you know what 
I enjoyed the ending. I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, the message of the film in the end. It was just it took it really it really like got me angry and irate at the beginning because nothing happened for an hour. <laughs> Taking he for granted. Taking he for granted. Taking he for granted. What did you think, lads? Were they taking he for granted? So, Oscar, uh, we might have a lot to say now. Um, I'm going to ask you the classic question. Is Notting Hill taking Hugh for granted? I saw, I'm sorry to be a party pooper on the Valentine's Day special. Don't, you know, don't go to bed all sad tonight. But I think we are taking Hugh for granted here. Um, mainly because I think this film was a little bit unrealistic. Um, mm-hmm. I also, like I said, have such a high expectation of Hugh's performances after seeing... Um, you know, basically having now living in the the Hugh Naissance. Um, mm, mm. And um, I don't think Hugh was as good as he is in Love Actually and Four Weddings. And the whole, like it, like we discussed, the whole film wasn't that believable for me. And for that reason, mm. I think in this one, anyone who says that Hugh plays the same role, typecasted, um, you know, same clothes, posh, bumbling, in this one, you might have a point. I find it hard I do I do find it hard to disagree with you because you make some fantastic points as I've said before really really again bitterly disappointed by the terrible awful characterization in this film really really poor I think the fact that it takes an hour for the film to get going in my eyes isn't great I do think it has some really funny moments I think that some of the writing is fantastic I think like you say there are moments even then like like you some moments where I thought Hugh's performance isn't quite there, but I wonder if that was a failing of the film as a whole. However, there is such a difference in the second half, and earlier, I can't divorce myself from what I felt earlier, which when I came out and I was thinking, when the film finished, I thought, what am I going to say to Oscar later? What am I going to say to the fans? <laughs> and I thought, I thought, because of how, it, you know, I'm also thinking about his career and how it was good for that as well. Also thinking about the message of the film. Also thinking about he, it was okay. So I think I'm going to, for the sake of, not just to, so we agree with each other every week, I'm going to say it's not taking Hugh for granted. Because I think at the end of the, the way I felt at the end of the film, there were moments that I enjoyed. There was good things about it. But I think it's a very, very contentious one, this one. And I think this quite nicely reflects that. If we but if we disagree, that's that's good. Because I think this isn't what yeah, this isn't just a blanket great film, Hugh smashed it, way everyone's happy. I think there are we both have deep, deep concerns with this, yeah. and I think that's reflected in the fact that we, we disagree. Yeah. Hey, surreal but nice, I guess. <laughs> perfect well i mean what a, i feel like that's kind of a serious ending for a valentine's day episode but um i i don't think we could end any other way than saying listener i love you <laughs> you are our valentines every one of you happy valentine's day thank you so much everyone um we'll see you very soon for another episode we love you goodbye goodbye everyone Did you see, and I am like almost 90% certain about this, when uh, Hugh Grant's character goes to find Julia Roberts when she's back in London filming some other film, I swear to God, I swear to God, they go through this sort of like an archway made of like bramble and trees and stuff. And as they come out, it pans around and you see this big house, Mm. like, you know, manor house, whatever. I swear to God, mate, 
That is the lawn from <laughs> White Mischief. I swear to God. And I was thinking, that's the lawn. The lawn where something happened. Lawn gate. You know, he's like, oh, <laughs> lawn gate is back. Mate, I think you're bang on. I think you're bang on. For the listeners who want to know what the hell Lawngate is, what we're talking about, White Mischief, our episode on one of Hugh's older films, I believe it's 1987, is out now. Go back to the back catalogue, find out what the hell we're talking about and what Lawngate is and come back to us and tell us, is that the same lawn? We need to know. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.